Hi everyone and welcome to episode 22 of The One One, your West Australian racing podcast. This is BJ Ryan teaming up with the one and only Terry Layton, the Perth racing guru. Hello Terry. Hello BJ, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. More importantly though, how are you and uh, your friends in the King's Men Syndicate, the mighty Dig Deep returns at Ascot this Saturday? Does he? Oh, I didn't even know. Well, what race we in? <laughs> actually, you're in the get-out stakes, the GOS. Are we? Are we? We're in the, uh, actually, do you know how I'm actually joking with you, BJ? We're in the last post-handicap, uh, dig deep. Isn't that uh, somewhat fitting? Obviously, the Diggers Cup would be a little bit more uh, a little bit more fitting, but um, a very apt name uh, on, a, uh, on a special day, and hopefully uh, the omen bet and, uh, can get the job done for the... Uh, for the for the folks out there, the loyal followers of the People's Horse, it's been quite a build up um, mm. through through the uh, through the journey of this podcast to uh, getting dig deep back to the races. Uh, must be an exciting time for you and you and all your mates. Um, and also, you do have a runner at Pinjarra today as well. So it is all happening for the King's Men. Yeah, we do, and a, a shout out before we uh, before we forget to do so. Uh, we always like to mention when a new jockey makes their debut, and um, been lucky enough to uh, sort of befriend Christo over the journey. He's done all the um, the handling of uh, the dig deep and the race day interaction. So good luck to uh, to Christo. This will obviously go out after the race has been um, run and won. But good luck to Christo on his uh, racetrack debut today. I think he's in a, on a bit of a hiding to nothing with our horse. Uh, in all fairness, because uh, we've drawn wide and. There's a bit of speed underneath us, so I think he's. Um, I don't think we're going to have a huge amount of success today, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Christo gets around, enjoys the experience, and um, there's a winner not too far uh, around the corner for him. Yeah, so that's Christo Sardelic. He is riding, escalating for his um, his bosses, the Pierce brothers, in race two at Bunbury today. His very first race ride. So all the best to Christo in his uh, in his uh, journey to becoming a jockey. Now. Um, it's been there's been a bit going on uh, racing wise uh, since our since we last caught up, Terry. Um, How long has it been since we last caught up? Uh, physically, physically, I think. I think too is too our, long. Is this is our fourth remote podcast. I think it is. So yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, actually, I was looking. I was going for a walk the other day with the kids and uh, with my dog, and I just I was just one thinking about when we're going to be able to get back to the races terry because um actually missing being on course i don't know about yourself but it's uh i think the first opportunity we get to to go back later in the year i think i'll definitely be heading out yourself yeah i think so we might even maybe we could organize a bit of a a uh, 1.5 meter one one pod catch up at the races even down in the uh oh it'll probably be belmont by that stage what's the bar at belmont or is it just a is it still just a tin shed <laughs> A leaky tin shed. <laughs> a, le- a leaky tin shed, yeah, a leaky tin shed. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd be, I'd be tickled pink with a leaky tin shed to have a frothy in at the moment. Oh, so beggars I, can't uh, be choosers. Nah, exactly right, exactly right. But, um, yeah, it makes you uh, feel it more when um, you have a horse going around as well and you'd love to obviously get out there. So, uh, mm. yes, hopefully uh, hopefully it's not too far away and we can, uh, we can get out there um, uh, in Belmont sometime. Yeah, actually, that, yeah, I think that's a good idea, Terry. We could organise a... Uh, a one-one uh, listeners event uh, when racing uh, does when the I guess 
um, spectators are allowed back on course. So that's um, something we can work on and uh, look forward to. But uh, at Ascot last Saturday, it was WA Size Produce Stakes Day, uh, which was won by the favourite Watch Me Dance. Uh, she's a really top quality filly and she staked her claim for WA's champion two-year-old. Lots of discussion post-size produce, uh, especially on, on Tab Radio and on Twitter about who exactly is WA's champion two-year-old this season because it is quite a quite a good three-way contest between Watch Me Dance, the um, Magic Millions winning Colt, Gemma's son and uh, Karakata Plate, Victor, I'm a single man. Which way would you be leaning, Terry? Uh, watch me dance. I saw something that uh, a friend of the podcast, What Up Walks, put on Twitter the other day that uh, it should go to the horse that wins the big dance. And I agree, last year, definitely. But um, it's, uh, it's a difficult one. But uh, Gemma's son was the dominant two-year-old, I think, by most people's uh, – well, most people would say she was the – she, he, he was hey, the dominant yeah. um, two-year-old for the majority of the season but uh, to not get it done in the big dance and then just considering how uh, consistent Watch Me Dance was and probably how stiff I guess stiffness doesn't come into it though but um, yeah long story short it's a um, it's a tight one but uh, Watch Me Dance Gemma's son a toss up and I'm a single man in third with Starfield Impact just behind him in fourth that's my quartet box them yeah well uh, we might actually make that a, a twitter poll um mm, terry so we'll, we'll chat about that uh, after we finish our ascot uh, diggers cup day preview but that'll be interesting to see what the the twitterati what the what the uh the racing faithful have to think about who who should be uh, awarded the WA's champion two-year-old for season 2019 2020 but it's a it's a good talking point especially after uh the controversy of last year but we won't go on go into that terry because i think we've we've spoken about that at length on previous editions of the one one uh, it's all positivity. It's all positivity about uh, <laughs> Dig Deep on episode, uh, what episode are we up to? 22? 22. 22. Christ, yep. nearly half a year. Yep, yep. So, mm, okay. um, but while we're, while we're talking about talented juveniles, what about the win of Real Grace at Pinjarra last Thursday, Terry? That was, that was something else. Yeah, it was good. Um, I thought it was a bit of a take on at the price because uh, really didn't hit the line um, when starting a short price favourite behind our boy Dylan, I mm-hmm. think it was that day. Yeah. Um, really didn't hit the line all that well. And I don't know, one, one thing I was going to probably look at with uh, Pia Bob um, racing a couple of two-year-olds, which he hasn't really done in the past, is it might have taken a little bit of, um, there might have been a bit of teething time for uh, the Williams partnership to maybe... Uh, knuckle down how best to train the youngsters, but maybe not because uh, that one like a very good horse, didn't it? Sure did. It just it powered away. It's um and the clock backed it up as well. That was uh that was very very impressive. From maybe maybe we should make um maybe we should make it the two year old of the year just because Bob doesn't win much. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> just to, just to let let the poor bugger let the battler win something, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's due to he's probably got. A, bit of room still in his trophy <laughs> cabinet for uh, two-year-old of the year. But, um, but yeah, definitely something to look forward to in this recent white. Real Grace, look out for her. That's That horse has got a lot of talent. I'm not looking, for, I'm not looking forward to it. He's got enough good ones. He does. It, it was quite a fun day at Pinjarra last, um, last Thursday. Mm. There was a bit of an old-fashioned sting, a bit of a plunge that came off on Blazing well, Billy. Um, did you get involved in that one, Terry? Oh, I, I didn't. I should have. It was above my marks price early. And if you go back to its trial where it, um, 
It was a superior trial to put a spell on you and maybe not a superior trial to the last of the line, but um, it was comparative mm. to the last of the line. And then first up, had no luck. But the problem the problem for me was that it, uh, it had bombed the start at every single public outing and I just couldn't have a horse three back the fence at a track like Pinjarra with a couple of decent ones in it like um, Angelic Miss and Hipwiggle and Modern Times. So um, when they jumped and led, I, I would have uh, bitten your hand off for the, mm. uh, the nine, ten bucks they, they had early but a friend of the podcast Paul Huckle got involved I think so good on him in finding the price on the way down but um, get out stakes winning Paul Huckle that's exactly right mm. but I uh, no I didn't uh, I didn't have any myself just because I was a bit concerned that it would uh, do a full quid and stand in the machines mm. again now yeah and and we had another uh, controversial protest result a race later between Victory Shot and Kaz Kasi which had uh, opinions divided and I think everyone m- most people fell on whatever whatever side impacted their um hip pocket mainly but it's it's a bit hard to to tell or give a really strong opinion without a without a head on um because that interference was uh really late uh, over the last 50 meters and um it was a small margin so yeah i can understand why harrison david harrison say were through in a protest and um couldn't what's your opinion bj we're gonna we're, i'm gonna ask you to jump off the fence for two seconds here and just what's your opinion upheld in what i only want one word from you upheld or dismissed it's hard i can't really give you uh, one uh, word uh, that, 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 oh, one word from what i from what i saw <laughs> so hang on there's more than one word coming i would say dis- dismissed yeah oh give me a spell didn't stop riding shifted out um and uh, Joey had stopped riding on Casca. I had no money on either of the pair, so I'm completely unbiased. Um, I was invested Joey, on the favourite. So. I, I, I wanted to invest on the favourite, but it never got to my price. Um, and Joey had to stop riding, and the margin of victory was the that margin of victory. I, I just, I simply, if you're looking for a, um, if you're looking for the the textbook protest upheld that's that's it mm. that's that's very simply it you need to stop riding your horse when it shifts out especially into the path of another runner you don't do that that's the margin of victory it costs the horse the victory that's upheld it's just simple if you yeah anyway we move on yeah again i'll just i'll wait till i see the the head on to determine my official but yeah put me on the spot and i'd mm-hmm. say dismiss but i, I did i clarify that i did back victory shot um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um last last week's pod we spoke about the potential for spiritual warrior to win the wa cup by panels of fencing that's exactly how it played out mm. carrying 61 kilos over the two miles and he just trotted in for lucy and justin work i felt I felt just from a punting point of view on that race. So I, I got to that race and I just felt it all looked a bit too obvious. And I, I, I didn't really mark the race properly. I, I had a bit less time last week to get uh, to the deep dive. So I sort of focused on seven or eight of the nine, um, seven or eight of the ten races. Sorry, and, and this was one I sort of gave a bit less time to. But um, yeah, I, I think I would have marked the dollar eighty, dollar ninety type thing. And we saw over three dollars late. It's quite incredible the money ca- that came for a horse like Lord Fandango, who was second up over thirty two hundred. Mm. Um, what did what did Bart Cummings uh, used to say? He wanted to have ten thousand meters in a horse's legs before it attacked a Melbourne Cup. Yeah, yeah. And, um, theory, and Lord yeah. Fandango was was trying to go there second up. So um, the amount of times we've seen like people they they'll say, oh, we we've got this horse as good as we can. I remember too close to Sun first up, and it was heavily backed. Um, first up of eighteen hundred meters, you just you just 
how do you know you've got it right first i just i just think that's such a a difficult task and we've seen a few examples where it's worked out but especially a horse that's going to try and go forward and try and race tough um you just you need actual racing fitness not just training fitness in you so um massive price it's easier to say that after the race definitely but um yeah looking forward to seeing uh seeing it go east could be a big race isn't it Potentially, yeah. Justin Warwick was interviewed by Brittany Taylor, I think, post-race, and he spoke about um, a potential Eastern States campaign for him next season. Uh, I would imagine he's good enough to be really competitive, maybe not at the in the Group 1 handicaps, the big ones, but there's so many yep. programming opportunities for a horse like Spiritual Warrior during the Victorian spring. I can see him winning a pretty decent race over there. He's such a good stayer, and he's just getting better all the time. So yeah. he's only five, so he'll be he'll be six. And I know that he's been a bit of a slow maturer from a, a mental point of view. Justin Warwick talks about that a lot. I know, I know how he feels. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> he talks about that a lot. So I think it's just all coming together for a horse. Like him, but he did say that. What are we thinking, Sydney Cup, or is that a bit too much? Uh, that's more. That's an autumn race, so mm. I imagine it'll be there'll be those. Um, oh, I mean, in the, in the coming 12, 18 months, just in yeah, general, what yeah. type of? I, I definitely think the further the better. Um, Metropolitan. I mean, uh, come play with me, one a Metropolitan. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I don't think there'll be a lot between come play with me and uh, Spiritual Warrior. It'd be interesting to see who, what stable he goes to, because I got the impression that Justin Warwick would be sending him to someone else mm-hmm. um so anyway that's all all to play out and um good luck to connections of spiritual warrior he's he won a kalgoorlie cup i think it was an aha cup or handicap leading into the perth cup then he's won the bull and bush tavern cup pinjaro cup and now um the two mile west australian cup so he's had a he's had a ripping season that horse so. hasn't beaten much but he's he's um winning him with authority so there's a, there's something to to say for that <laughs> Exactly. So last week at Ascot, before before we leave um, headquarters, was uh, um, there was a distinct track pattern that emerged. Mm. Your best betting proposition of the day, Moshard, was particularly disadvantaged, and that was obvious um, from the early races that uh, that particular runner was going to be up against it, and a lot was going to have to go right. Just for the listeners, when. How do, how does a professional such as yourself? How do you adjust when you're in when you invested on a horse like Moshard um, at a price and you've built a position? How do you how do you play that when you're aware that it, it's it's probably not going to happen for you today? What, what do you do during the day to adjust for that? Well, what what you what you say you should do and what you actually do are two different things. So I was with a few um, mates. Um, we were breaking a couple of no, we weren't. There was about three of us. It wasn't too many watching the races and. Um I said to them, I said, this is trading at 440 type thing on Betfair at the moment. Um, I said, I'd be laying off. I said, I don't think it can possibly win now. And they said, are you going to lay off? And I said, no, I don't. I'm not that fucking, I'm, I'm not, I don't lay off. I, uh, I I should lay off, but I'm too stubborn and whatever to, to lay off. And obviously it ended up trading at about $8.20. I said, watch this get out to $8. When it was trading at four bucks, I said, this will end up trading out to $8. This isn't a track for horses with point to point speed. And um, obviously that's how it eventually, I didn't have much luck in the run either. I still ran the quickest last 200 meters despite never really it was probably pretty stiff really i think yeah it, it was stiff um but it was always the stable mate stable mate actually fell back in its lap on straightening 
Oliver's yeah, travels. Yeah, mm. yeah, it did, yeah. Poor old Oliver's. Uh, I think that might be leaving Luke Shard, actually, um, uh, old Ollie. Um, but yeah, I should have traded out, but I didn't. Uh, I increased my position on a few horses, uh, like Black Duke Caddy, who I'd mm-hmm. uh, already thrown out as a break-even on the race anyway. And <clears throat> I actually increased my position on Cramden at about 30 or 40 to 1. And um, it got packed in the last few minutes on uh, on Betfair to under ten to one. It was a an incredible little uh, little plunge, but um, led the race. But uh, was one of the first beaten, so should have laid off. Didn't lay off, and um, I'll probably do the exact same thing. So if it happens again this weekend, <laughs> good stuff. All right, a quick shout out to uh, Kira Yule and Graham Hammerquist. They combined to take out last Sunday's hundred thousand dollar Jelton Gold Cup with freeze them off. Terry on the uh, on the crayfish coast, so that was a that was a good result. They've they've really combined to have a, a another outstanding season in Geraldton, um, Kira and Graham. So how was the rod? Yeah, it was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, absolute crack. A real big. Uh, a lot of uh, I said to Cripper, I said he obviously manages Kyra. I said there was a lot of bravery um, in a feature race to go back to the inside of it, but I think there was very little between Friesemoff, Mycroft. Mycroft failed badly after being well supported. Friesemoff, Mycroft. Uh, and defiantly and I really do think it was the best ride uh, probably on the best horse too but uh, I do think it was the best ride which um, which won that race and if you just I really think we saw Mitch Pateman do it for a period there where he was just dominating country tracks down in Albany Kalgoorlie it took a while for him to get the respect down the city rides that he deserved he now is um, but uh, I, I think Kyra is probably at a point where she needs to be getting more city rides because I think she may well, and this might sound like a big call, but I think she may well be in the top five riders in the state um, at the moment. Big so, call. Mm, mm, mm. Big call. Yeah, she's, she, her confidence is sky high at the moment. Uh, has enjoyed a really outstanding season in the saddle. Um, and, yeah, she's riding Geraldton and Albany and Kalgoorlie really well. And, yeah, I think it, I think once the once the confidence and the belief is there um, and the um, – similar to Mitchell Pateman, then the uh, the cattle will follow and, and she'll get more opportunities in town, no doubt. She'll ride half the card on um, Saturday at Kalgoorlie, at least half the card. Yeah, okay. Um, you heard it here first from the guru. Um, <laughs> speaking of Mitchell Pateman uh, – Starting really starting to hit his straps again, and um, partnered partnered with a um, pretty exciting type. Mm. Miss Frost went bang first up for Luke Fernie at Ascot yesterday. Yeah, that was uh, Luke had mentioned to me um, a little while ago. He was pretty excited about its prospects when it finally made it to the track, and uh, to hear him say it was the best horse he's put a saddle on, remembering he's put a horse on um, uh, saddle. Sorry, on horses like uh, Mister Genoa. Um, there could be a bit to come um, with Miss Frost, so um, I'm looking forward to her seeing her step out again in a, probably a fortnight's time or so and uh, probably do a very similar thing. But there's always that worry, if, uh, second up off a, off a long layoff, how she goes. But, um, yeah, that was just – that was something else. She beat nothing. Well, we know she beat nothing, but, uh, geez, it was arrogant, wasn't it? Track work gallop, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, always looked looked like a pretty – promising horse with Frank Maynard um, in the past and um, uh, yeah looks like it's all going to come together for Miss Frost this prep nice mm-hmm. nice horse for Luke Fernie to get his hands on that's for sure so we talk about uh, 
the gear changes, jockey gear changes, but the old Fernie gear change, both Pete and Luke, it's a, uh, seems to be a plus five lengther with uh, a lot of horses, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, they do, especially the tried horses, they, they're doing a really, really mm. good job. Now, um, Mitchell Pateman and the Perth Racing Guru had uh, quite a hit a bit of a sweet spot um, in 2019 where um, where you deci- decided to hitch your wagon to Mitchell's rides and, and it it ended up being quite a profitable period of time when he was uh, tearing it up. I think that was pre-WA Oaks fall. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he does look like he's a jockey to, to follow at the moment where all the planets are aligning for him in the saddle, uh, especially over the last month or so. Yeah, that was arguably one of my better runs for several period months there, and that, a lot of that would have gone down to, to Mitch Pavin. A lot of that was with Mark Bairstow as well, that, that combination during that period. But um, I think he's a jockey that when he hits form, he, he's – I, I said to you before we started, I think he's currently the second best jockey because um, his confidence is up in, in the state. And I think it's important to follow him during that period because one thing that they don't do with M. Pateman that they do with W. Pike is respect him in the market um, quite so much. So you'll be seeing that you'll continually get nice prices and Mitch Pateman will ride um, a couple of nice priced winners I think you'll find over the coming period of time. And it takes a long time for the market to adjust and probably understand where his standing is uh, quality-wise um, in, in WA, so I think we might have a couple on Saturday as well. I think uh, we might. Another thing with this, with the COVID nineteen situation, is all the weights have been raised a kilo as well. So yeah, it's gone from time. a 50, 54 to a fifty five minimum, which um, really suits him as well. It just just gives him more riding opportunities. So um, yeah, but I think we might have found uh, a Mitchell Pateman winner or two this Saturday. Um, so we should, probably should start venturing towards the preview, Terry. Yes. Before we do that, just a quick timestamp for everyone. It's 11.52 a.m. on Thursday, April 23. From a racing calendar point of view, we have a country meet. I think this might have been a York or a Narragin, which has been transferred to Bunbury today. Diggers Cup Day at, at Ascot on Saturday with a Kalgoorlie meeting on Saturday. Also, Pinjar on Sat- Sunday and the Albany Racing Club round out the Anzac Day long weekend celebrations with their, um, I think it's an eight race car, seven or eight race card at um, Percy Spencer on Monday. Um, so we've got plenty uh, plenty of racing, WA racing over the long weekend. So yeah, it's going to be a busy and uh, hectic schedule, but looking really looking forward to it. Before we um, kick off our Diggers Cup Day preview, Terry, just a big thank you to our sponsors at the 1-1. They are the Mundaring Hotel and Market City Meets. The Mundaring Hotel has been the heart of the hills since 1899 and is located in Jacoby Street, Mundaring. The Mundaring has been hit hard by the COVID-19 restrictions and has been closed to the public for the best part of a month now. So what they do offer, though, is a takeaway and delivery food and beverage uh, option jump on their website or the facebook page and um so that's the mundaring hotel.com.au or their facebook page um even give the publican in butchie o'connor a call let him know you're a one-one listener and if you're up that we're heading up that way or in the neighborhood whack in a um takeaway or delivery order over the phone and um support our sponsors and our good friends at the mundaring hotel also market city meets they are the largest retail butcher shop in perth located at the Canningvale Markets on Bannister Road. Drop in and see Timmy Hewitt and his team. Say good day, Timmy. He'll take very good care of you. He always does. Let him know you are an avid 1-1 supporter. Market City Meets, they sponsor the very, very popular Get Out Stakes competition. 
Congratulations to last week's winner, Melissa Warland. Melissa selected She's a Light by 0.20 lengths, which was closest to the 0.29 length official margin. And uh, gee, that was some win by She's a Light, just mm. quietly. Three mm. wide, no cover the entire and uh, found a way. So um, congratulations to Melissa. Hope you enjoy those, um, those gourmet beef packages from Market City Meats. We'll run through the finer details of the Get Out Stakes competition before we preview Ascot Race 9 on Saturday. Finally, if you want to read our previews online, Terry's in-depth analysis and betting strategies can be found at the Betfair Hub. That's betfair.com.au. My mark, my pre-market preview, the leg up, was available from 7 a.m. this morning on bestbets.com.au as well as the Race website. And um, as we touched on last week if anyone hasn't seen the two uh, professional punting uh, interview videos that betfair put together with our man the perth racing guru jump on the betfair hub uh, watch that two-part series terry gives some insight into his life and times as a professional thoroughbred horse racing punter have you had much feedback from the videos terry yeah, that I should stick to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they come up good, mate. So good yeah, stuff. Thanks, mate. That's, that's all that matters. Your your opinion and your validation. That's all I need. So yeah. thank you very much. You'll have a spring in your step. Now. Let's get stuck. Let's get stuck. <laughs> Let's get stuck into the preview. Don't like talking about yourself, Terry. No, not not really. No, I like talking about horses, but not myself. So, um, let's get stuck in. Let's let's talk about track pattern, DJ. Yeah, one of your favourite topics at the moment. I hate it. I'm I am at my wits end with uh, with track pattern. So last week it was at uh, eleven meters <clears throat> with some westerlies and a little bit for uh, a little bit overcast, a little bit of rain around, but nothing too um, too sinister. I still still think it played a good four, and um, it turned out you you couldn't really sprint and make solid ground. Um, which frustrated me, as that was where a few of the ones we were looking at. Um, uh, we're involved with, but uh, this week we're back to the we're back to the true, and I think a, a long-standing opinion has been when we go back to the true for the first time um, in a while. Uh, it's actually the first time since the twenty-first of the third, so about a month, tick over a month, is that it tends to play very um, on pace. It's probably a bit of a myth. Um, going back through the data, I have um, with an R data. <laughs> Um, the, the times where it plays on pace is when there's an easterly. If you go back and, and get rid of all the easterly data when we go back to the true, you'll find that it actually plays pretty fair, especially uh, as the day progresses. Early on, um, it's always hard to make ground uh, for whatever reason. I don't like trying to quantify a lot of this. Um, I just like know that it does occur. Um, but as the day progresses, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to make ground. So with the westerly in play, there is some rain around though, so... Yeah, I just think you've got to be um, you've got to be willing to uh, to alter your tactics as the day progresses, which is hard for someone like me who usually is pretty heavily invested and usually all in before the, we even get to the day. But um, you do need to be willing to uh, alter your tactics as the day progresses, but will allow for a fair track, especially as the day progresses. So. Come the uh, come the last post handicap, you should be able to win from about seventh from barrier five. I'm not 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 thinking about any particular horse in particular, BJ. <laughs> well, I mean, we saw it, we saw it last week with uh, she's a light. We've already spoken about her. She was mm-hmm. uh, three three and four wide, got the job done. Uh, I think the week before that, the last was celebrity 
queen and she was three wide yeah. with cover. So it's funny how sometimes it just sort of flips around later in the day. But um, as we always say- There's also failing leaders as well. There's also some pretty like Ocean's 15 went very poorly yeah. there. And um, and that race, the Celebrity Queen race, the two best horses uh, ended up Quinella it. So some, that, that does have a lot to do with it. But the bigger fields yeah. also mean more speed yeah. and um, and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's interesting. As I said in the my little write-up midweek, if somebody could give me accurate- uh, track data or track predictions i would actually i'd pay really good money so if there's uh, anyone out there that thinks they can uh, assist with that get in touch because um yeah you'd become a good friend of mine <laughs> yeah. i think i think the people that do all that keep that stuff really close to their chest terry so um yeah, well, but uh i try I, I record everything i record every little bit of data and I, there's a lot of stuff that does assist and there's like a, a pin jarrow in the rails at the um uh, when the rail is at the true position at Pinjarra all season, the rail has been off. So that's something we can um, definitely call. But there's a few different things. But there's not a great deal of consistency. I mean, a, a lot of the other tipsters were saying midweek at the 14 metres it was going to play off pace. And as the day progressed, it actually played rail and on pace hot. Yeah, yeah it's yesterday, sorry, and the Wednesday meeting on the 22nd. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 very difficult to um it's very difficult to make those predictions and you do need to be a little bit uh, light on your feet in that situation, BJ. Good, good. Okay, it's time to start the preview. Terry race one at Ascot on Anzac Day is the Anzac Day Maiden over the sixteen hundred meters. Now all the rage is now odds on favourite Blackwater Bay. Adam Durant and William Pike just failed to run down irritable Rodney second up at the fifteen hundred metres last start. Third up does really look his race to break through. He's the obvious, already well found by the market after I think he opened up about two forty five on the local exchange, a local operator, and that was snapped up pretty quick. However, is there are we missing anything outside of Blackwater Bay that can that could stretch this fave, Terry? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think he can be stretched. Um, the two forty five was pretty generous, I thought this morning um, for the limited amounts we can try to get on. But uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, he, he ticks all the boxes. Obviously, um, as the winner of this race, a progressive Durant Myler, who's third up. But I know. He was good last start. I know he was good first start, but I thought he was a little bit disappointing not to get past Irritable Rodney with the run he had. He had the back of that horse. The whip was out on Irritable Rodney at the 250, and he just he just didn't get there, which, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I thought for the life of me he was. So maybe a little bit disappointing. The, the thing that leads me to, to seeing him as a bit of a danger at the $1.60 here uh, is the fact that um, I Hope You Dance will be out in front with the in for Mitchell Pateman on and um, there might be a little bit of a traffic jam in between the two of them and um, if Mitch can give I Hope You Dance a kick at the right time, especially early in the day with the rail back to the true, it does tend to suit those that are on pace. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him actually steal this race at BJ. Mm. Um, but I do I do think Pike will find a way to get it done on Blackwater Bay. I think he'll probably be about three pairs back. Um, he just, just wants to be careful what horse he gets under the back of. He gets under the, the back of a horse like Miss Malibu. I don't know if that's going to be the greatest cart up, but um, I, I am expecting Blackwater Bay to get the job done. $1.60, $1.70 is a bit thin. I've marked I Hope You Dance 5 to 1, so at the $8 we're talking I Hope You Dance, um, that's where I'll be having a little bit on. But uh, I was lucky enough to get a little bit of that price this morning. doesn't really 
help anyone else now, does it? But um, I, I, uh, I think the winner will come from those two with uh, with Interstate getting the the gun run on the the back of the leader and and probably running third. Bj, yeah, that's the only other horse I was just going to mention to you, Terry is Interstate. You imagine that uh, Jade McNaught's going to bounce him out and be on the heels of I Hope You Dance throughout and will peel on straightening and be in a pretty commanding position to have a crack. Um, I thought he was mm-hmm. pretty good behind um, Irritable Rodney and Blackwater Bay the other day. I'm super confident Blackwater Bay will win. However, I'd, I'm going to be waiting uh, late on Betfair, see if he can get out a little bit from his current um, $1.80, $1.75. $1.70 quote, um, but yeah, I think Blackwater Bay will win. Interstate and I Hope You Dance are the obvious major dangers and they will have a field position advantage over the fave. be interesting to see how much elevation this um, this full brother to come play with me can make third up at the mm-hmm. mile. I reckon he just might have been a run short um, last start and uh, I think that that real searching hit out his, his low, late splits were really good that searching hit out would have, would have topped him off nicely and um, really really he should be winning for mine so yep. um, and um, and yeah I I can understand why um, you've landed on I hope you dance especially um, as you as you mentioned oh, I've, I've definitely landed on Blackwater Bay I'd be very surprised if he's uh, I'll, I'll clarify that I'd be very surprised if Blackwater Bay is not winning but just from a market yep. sense at the yep. moment I hope you dance is the one that comes up um, above my odds if I was having if I was Having a late punt on this race, I'd be hoping to get something near $2 Blackwater Bay, but also making I Hope You Dance a result. I, I do think the winner comes from the pair, but uh, as, as you were saying, it's it's really hard to go past uh, this Durant miler. Yes, yes. Okay. Race two is another maiden. Gee whiz. The Tab Touch, better your bet, mm. maiden. Two of the nine races on Anzac Day are maidens, which is unthinkable anyway oh, well, at least this is a good quality maiden huh? <laughs> Bloody hell, 1200 meters and we've got another we've got another pike shorty here terry hip wiggle odds yeah, on yeah look mate uh i'm i'm not really overly interested just we should clarify at the time of recording there aren't many odds out so we're only uh, we're working off about two agencies so we'll when uh discussing odds we'll um be um only discussing what's available there so um that might change when everyone else puts their odds up in the coming yeah. hour or two just keep that in mind um yeah hit wiggle should be winning the race but uh, there's no way i'm going to get involved at a dollar 80 on a horse that might go back to the near last or settle second half of the field um i'll make this pretty quick for you i don't really want to talk about too many but one horse i want to have something small on each way bernard is uh, looks like magic mm. from the inside gate yeah. um i've liked all of its runs in previous camp well not all of its runs but a lot of its runs in previous campaigns i thought were full of merit uh, i thought first up really good ran um the second or third quickest last 200 in a race where it just got out of its ground um last start nothing in the stewards report I'm pretty sure it was held up the majority of the straight. I just don't think uh, the stewards report quite accurately reflects that. Um, I like Chloe going on the softer hands, barrier one, maybe can land on the back of a horse like Igarashi. Um, bit of a he- head start on a horse like Hip Wiggle. Up to the 1,200 suits. I just think at about 25, 30 to one, um, if we're looking for a bet, I think we can find uh, a way to have something small each way on that, BJ. But uh, I-, I would expect Hip Wiggle to get the job done. 
Yeah, yeah. Hip Wiggle comes through that blazing Billy Maiden, which we spoke about. That was from last Thursday at Pinjarra. Hit the line alongside a horse called Angelic Miss, who looks quite promising. Pike goes on. It really looks set up for this filly to, to break through, but I can't get anywhere near that odds-on quote at the moment. Um, from my point of view, I, th- I think that uh, Float Our Boat – First upper from the SJ Miller stable is um, is a player in this race. Form yard, form jock. Yeah, it wasn't knocked around in uh, a lead-up trial at Bunbury on, when was that, Monday. I reckon it's, yeah, I think it's going to land on speed and I think it's going to give a kick and we'll make hip wiggle earn the win. Uh, away, I can see why people might like away we go as well, caught the eye first up. At, uh, at Bunbury in a maiden handicap there. Nice draw from three. The only other horse I'd like to mention is a first starter. Quite like the trials, playing God, Philly, Anna's sister. But from eight, probably going to be back rearwards, back behind hip wiggle. So look out for her running on and she might be a horse to follow. But for me, I'm probably going to avoid hip wiggle at the odds on and I might be having something on uh, float our boat, Terry, in race two. Sounds good to me, Bernard. All right, this is more like it, Terry. This is more Saturday material. The mm. uh, race three on the program is uh, the RSLWA Trophy, 1,200-metre race for the two-year-olds. We have our man, Magic Mike, friend of the podcast. He has his star, Philly Starfield Impact, kicking on after a um, brave Caracalla Plate performance, crossing swords with the very much informed front runner Charlton Eddy, as well as a couple of interesting first uppers that um, that add a bit of uh, X factor to this event too, Terry. Mm. Did, you, did you have any strong views on how this race is going to play out? No, no strong views at all. I like to leave the, uh, the two-year-old form to you, BJ, unless there's uh, something that really does stand out to me. But uh, I think the market's got this pretty much bang on. Starfield Impact's been racing in far better company and dominating, but, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to knock a horse like Charlton Eddy who goes forward and dictates from the front and has been winning by pretty good margins. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very, uh, very, very, uh, I'm very surprised that uh, Starfield Impact didn't contest the sires a week ago. Um, the way it's been toughing it out, uh, sitting deep on the track, I really thought it, well, I wasn't really even, she would wasn't have even uh, eaten up the 1400. Wasn't nommed, no. It was, even when they asked for extended noms, wasn't even nommed. So, um, but BJ, who are we to question Magic Mike? <laughs> so, I, sorry, uh, sorry, I was I was getting a bit ahead of myself yes. then, Terry. So thanks for for no, bringing me back down to earth. Let's um, knock you down a peg or two, as need, as need be. But uh, no, I think the winner comes from one of those two. They're both around two dollars fifty. So there'll be a divided camp, and I'm sure a runner you're about to discuss. So I won't steal too much of your thunder, but I know that Danny Morton's yep. got a pretty big opinion of Kiss on all four cheeks. So if there was to be an upset, mm. uh, that would be the one. But uh, I'll be staying out here, BJ. Yeah, I um, I had to go back and have another few looks at the Charlton Eddie last start win. I don't think I appreciated it for what it was. Went back, to, uh, had a look at the um, sectional times data. Geez, that was a strong victory. Led them up and its last 600 was one of the best of the days and did it from out in front as a two-year-old as well. So I know it goes 1,000 to 1,200 metres, kind of deepish into his prep. But if he begins well, finds the rail in front, I don't know if Starfield Impact with Chris Graham on board can sit outside him 
and beat him. Just just the how how big and strong Charlton Eddie is, Starfield impact. I, f- I feel dirty even like thinking, uh, doubting her and and Magic Mike. Mm, so um, you shouldn't. Uh, but um, but yeah, and she was just she was so brave. Three and four wide. No cover in the Karakata plate. Loomed, still still had the audacity to loom to win briefly and just um, peaked a touch late as she was more than entitled to. But, yeah, I wonder what my thought process would have been if Jason Whiting was on Starfield Impact. I think that's something I need to consider as well. But um, for me, I think Charlton Eddie's going to rail in front and Jizz is going to take something decent to get past him. That decent horse could be kiss on all four cheeks. Terry, I tipped her on top on debut um, last year. When was that last November? I think it was in the Crystal Slipper Stakes. Yeah, nothing really went right for her. Um, beaten six lengths, over six lengths by Starfield Impact. Found the front in her March 31 lead-up Belmont trial. Stretched out quite well. The blinkers go on for this first up assignment with Pike on board. Going to be spotting these horses um, a bit, uh, you know, a reasonable enough head start. Um, I imagine kissing all four cheeks will be making some significant ground late. I don't know whether she's going to be able to get over the top of Charlton Eddie and Starfield Impact. The only other runner that is worth considering is Apple Schnapps, first starter from the Lindsay Smith Yarders, showing plenty at trials. But for me, I think Charlton Eddie is going to land in front, hug the rail, and just be a bit too strong for Starfield Impact with Kiss on all four cheeks running a, a, a nice race down the outside. Yep. I, uh, I like how you've summed that up. Expecting uh, the trifecta to read 1-2 or 2-1 with um, the six in third. Sounds good. Moving on to race four, the Louise Newman 50th birthday handicap, a 1,000-metre contest for the three-year-olds. And after a bit of a false start last week, Terry, Q Belling, the unbeaten um, Rob and Todd Harvey youngster, he makes his first up return and um, has been pretty well found in the early markets so far, Terry. Yeah, we should, first of all, we should touch on um, happy birthday to Louise Newman and we also happy birthday to our Paul Harvey, who was 50 uh, during the week as well, I believe, BJ. He was. What was the Louise Newman horse that won at like cricket? Score odds at Belmont last season. Purist. Purist. I, I, I would purist, yeah, very happily. And you could tell that Richie Bell called that day and you could tell uh, that Richie Bell had something on. <laughs> it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't well hidden that Richie, uh, geez, uh, yeah, what did he say as, uh, as she crossed the line? Oh, and she travelled like the winner throughout at, at 200 and I think it was 230 to one late on Betfair. So um, I was having one of the worst days of my life on the yeah. punt as well. That was That is the epitome of the, uh, the most amazing get out of, uh, of all time. But um, the Louise Newman... 50. Richie, Richie couldn't put the uh, Richie couldn't put the binoculars down quick enough to get yeah. the cue. Could he? <laughs> yes. he was uh, he was, very <laughs> he was already on his phone, making sure it had paid out. Um, happy birthday, Louise! Happy birthday, exactly! And happy birthday to the Pontiff. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to him getting back in the saddle after missing uh, a couple of weeks through suspension. So, uh, happy birthday all round. Over to you, Terry. Uh, no real strong opinion here again, BJ. I don't really have much I want to bet on, to be honest, in the first five races, but the last four I do come home strongly. Uh, well, I come home with a strong opinion, at least. Um, mm. I think Lording will kick up and lead, which makes things a little bit more difficult for Q Balling um, because they, they're more than likely. I mean, obviously, they'll be hoping they'll be able to cross and find the rail, but they're more than likely going to have to... Um, land outside of lording and it's a lot harder job to be sitting in the breeze than um than to be sitting 
uh, than to rail through. So um, that will be interesting how, how that goes. But um, there's obviously a pretty big uh, buzz around uh, this patronised gelding. So, look, expecting him to be hard to get past. But um, one thing I am expecting here is Beethoven to be ridden aggressively. Uh, the blinkers have gone on. He's been jagged at, at his first and second up runs when he began really well. So I'm expecting... Maybe a bit of a throw at the stumps, a little bit of desperation, but I'm expecting some aggression on Beethoven. So there's a chance we might even see a three-wide line here um, if that's the path they go down. But um, look, it wouldn't surprise me to see River Bow, who gets the perfect run just in behind him, get over him. Wouldn't surprise me to see Like a Jaguar. Uh, progress from a nice midweek win against a couple of smart ones uh, and it wouldn't surprise me either if we do get a three wide line um, well, I should say also Captain Kink there's no reason he can't win uh, really impressed by the trial and there was a big two month gap between trial and race so uh, he's only going to improve from that you'd suspect and um, Rocky mm. Path has been probably in everybody uh, in everybody's black book but um, the drop back from 1200 to 1000 with Paddy going on doesn't look suitable but if there is a three wide line and, um, and they're bunched on the bend um, he's running She's running the right sectionals to get past them. But, um, yeah, long story short, BJ, I'm, uh, I'm not too interested uh, in getting involved here. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it does look like Lording's going to hold up in front with Q, Q Belling uh, sitting outside leader. Did win outside leader second up at Ascot uh, during his um, – when, when he was last in work, mm-hmm. that was after railing and winning on debut at Bunbury in, in fast time over the thousand. So he um, he found a way to win under trying circumstances before he was tipped out for a spell. Uh, first up, no trial. Uh, I think this is a better option than what they were uh, taking on last Saturday. The way the track played last Saturday, probably uh, that might have worked out all right for him though. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. I just think this is um, this is a really nice race for him. There is a big spruik around about Q Belling, um, and you're right. If if he could guarantee he'd be fine in the rail in front, you'd just be, um, you know, you'd be loading up. I had him two fifty. Um, he's about that at the moment. I think he opened up a little bit longer uh, on the local operator this morning. But um, does look the race for Q Belling, um, expecting him to be very, very firm in the market on the day. The horses that you made a case for, I can, I agree with you. River Bow's just going to get the world perfect run again, like he did in victory last start. The thing with River Bow is he had, he looked like he was going to draw away and win comfortably, but geez, he made it hard for himself late with lording kicking back and it was a very small margin at the finish. But again, he's, uh, he's race fit in form and he's going to, and maps to advantage. So mm-hmm. he has to be the major danger to Q Belling. If, if lording does go out, um, setting a genuine tempo, I think that's going to, um, that's, that's um, going to make it hard for the horses coming from behind. So really, all th- you know, either way I look at it, I really think Q Belling should be coming out on top. Mm-hmm. Um, fast horse, fresh, um, should be breathing fire first up, should get the job done. Okay, very good. Uh, on to the one of the feature races of the day, the, uh, the Sheila Gwynn Classic. Uh, complete two-horse race, BJ? I think so, yeah. Yeah, unless... Um, yeah. Unless one of your old faves, Ms. Leckie, can wind back the clocks, but she was a bit mm. plain first up, but does look like another um, head-to-head clash between 
Flower of War and Angelic Ruler rising to the 1,400 metres after they cross swords in the 1,200 metre Marjorie Charleston Classic on Good Friday. Yeah, it's, this is one of those races I really, in the small fields, I really like trying to get a speed map um, exact to the to the T. Um, and then that mm-hmm. allows you to sort of analyse uh, well, the chances of the horses, obviously. So this is, this is how I've come up with it. Uh, from a mindset point of view, I think the most important horse in this is a Kiko. Um, yep. It's failed at its last couple when leading. I think they'll be aware that Flower was going to come across and try to find the top um so i I think that they'll be saying look we're probably not going to win this race but if we can tack onto the back of flower war it probably gives us a better chance to run third um expecting obviously angelic ruler to get past it as well so my thought process is that they'll be not necessarily a hundred percent on leading on akiko um that'll mean that flower war gets across softly um i've actually got ms lecky kicking up and holding Akiko out, which will leave um, Ms. Leckie on the back of Flower of War. Um, I think Lavina from Barrier 6 might come across with Flower of War, trying to look for a spot in the speed. Might left out, might be left out in the breeze with Akiko in the 1-1. Mm-hmm. Um, I've then got Fancy Fox on the back of Akiko. I've got Festival Miss on the back of Ms. Leckie. Um, I, I can't have Angelic Ruler anywhere but dead last. Right. In between Angelic Ruler and Flower of War is Lavina, Ms. Leckie, Akiko, Festival Miss, and Fancy Fox. Pretty... Uh, not not at a flower of war level for me there's going to be it's going to be a very difficult ride to get angelic ruler um the right card into it to to run down flower of war but in saying that do you sometimes just get that feeling that pike will find uh, a way to get it done flower of war is obviously susceptible up to the 1400 um i don't think we quite respect how good she is she's won nine of 14 only unplaced twice mm. Um, her 1400 meter efforts have been maybe left a little to be desired here in second to true attraction was a nice enough run uh, with Ben Patterson on in her three year old days but um, I think she just gets this nicely and she gets a nice one of my favourites roadblocks with uh, Angelic Ruler yep. back last but um, I, I don't I, I've marked them two bucks first two dollars fifty and I know you can get around two ninety flower awards so you could consider that a bit but I'm uh, again I'm pretty happy staying out of this and I'm, I'm really interested just to watch this as a horse race and, and how it all unfolds and, and how close um, my tactics and and map actually become but um, yeah I'm expecting flower Award to give a, a big kick and um, I think Angelic Ruler will have to be at her very best and the little bloke uh, sitting on top Mr. Pike will have to be at his very best as well. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about the Charleston Classic on last week's podcast, just about Casino War and just the um, the way that advantaged Flower of War on the day. Really, it's um, the key is I think Flower of War is going to. She's a pretty. She's a model of consistency, so and she tries really hard, and she's always hard to get past. So she's she's at a level where you know what you're going to get. Yep. How much? What we can't. What the 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 thing that we have to try to measure is how much angelic ruler is going to improve second up at the fourteen hundred, if if any. So um, obviously the market and I and and. Me included. I marked them. I think it was dollar seventy five. Angelic ruler three dollars. Flower of War. Um, so mm-hmm. my my view is the um, the elevation second up fourteen hundred meters. Pikes. Uh, she looked a little bit ring ring rusty first up. I thought she was a little bit sort of didn't really oh. jump smoothly. Harsh judge. Who? She's never jumped smoothly. Angelic. Yeah, ruler. and then he She's- sort of just had to sort of 
um, niggle at her to put her in the spot that he wanted. Um, but I just think that that run will, will bring her forward the um, significantly. And um, and yeah, I understand the um, the map issues which you have raised. Um, I just think at the fourteen hundred meters, it's just it just looks set up for Angelic Ruler to swoop and gun down Flower of War late. Um, I can't really see anything else troubling them. Ms. Leckie's much better than what she showed first up, and she's probably going to be suited uh, over the fourteen hundred as well. But um, needs to improve quite a bit to to challenge Flower of War and Angelic Ruler. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what the what the you know if if leaders are winning. Interested to see what Betfair's doing closer to to start time, and just to see whether there's people out there wanting to lay Angelic Ruler, which I imagine there probably will be. What do you think, Terry? Uh, yeah, well, I, when you talk about improvement, I have no doubt that Angelic Ruler will improve massively. Angelic Ruler is probably the best horse in this race. I mean, we had Dan on a couple of weeks ago and he said, did he say that he thought she was the most likely runner to win a group one? Correct. His first group one? Yes, that was his answer. How, so I don't know how well that sat with you, but yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah I, he obviously didn't know how to say the words dig deep. Um, <laughs> I suspect, as I said, I do suspect that Pike will find a way. He always does. Mm. But I mean, if you just... But if you just look at the map, I'm not worried about her. I know she's going to improve. I know she'll run a cracking race. But if Flower of War is often going on the bend and Pike has to jag around him or wait for yep. a run that takes yep. forever to come, she might have to run a, a last sectional that's just she simply can't. No horse can because Flower of War is often going. And the key for Chloe has a party and Simon Miller with Flower of War here is not to think, let's hold her tight because exactly. we're questionable at 1,400. Exactly. They have to get going. They have yep. to break Angelic Rulers back and get the gap on Angelic Ruler because we know Flower of War is tough. Yep. Um, she will paddle late over the 1,400, but um, – yeah, there's, there's a big chance that there's some pretty slow horses um, between I think, them. I so. think you hit the nail on the head, Terry. They they just have they have to ride her to her strengths. If yep. they if they if they try to pull a cheap section between the you know the six and the four and they bunch, like she's just going to get murdered late Cooked. by exactly Angela right. Ruler. So I'm mean, the, the, tactically what you said at the start, being able to watch this race um, unfold tactically, it's going to be very interesting. But I'm with you. If if, if I was in the Miller as a party camp, I'd just be saying, just ride it like you normally do. Don't worry about the mm-hmm. 1400, you know what I mean? And um, because it's just, Angelic Ruler is going to have to chase. And um, as you said, she's going to have to run some pretty pretty special splits to get the job done. But I think she's a pretty special mare. So we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a good race. I'm hoping for um, a bit of doubt to creep in Um Heading towards race five at Ascot on Saturday, and there's a little bit of, little bit of juice in the Betfair late price for Angelic Ruler, but mm-hmm. we'll see how we go. Well, if I knew that, uh, if I knew Martin Allen's tactics with a Kiko was to try and lead at all costs, and, and that was the plan, um, I would be basically declaring Angelic Ruler. That that changes mm. the entire race if Flower War has to breeze outside of a Kiko. So my map does have Flower War um, crossing a Kiko, purely trying to get into the mindset of that camp, thinking, well, hang on, maybe we can try and get some cover. We're, we're questionable over 1,400, so let's find the back of them. Um, mm. But that might not be the tactics. If a Kiko kicks up and leads, then it's um, it's it's game over, I'd suggest. But a uh, great race to watch. Before we leave this race, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are your thoughts on the, not the acceptance of Lavina? Last Saturday, impressive enough, maiden winner, um, three-year-old filly has just been thrown into the listed Sheila Gwynn Classic. Uh, I don't think anything. Mm. <laughs> Is that the answer you wanted? I have absolutely no. I have no thoughts. <laughs> 
I suppose they're hoping it runs runs third. Oh yeah, they get the thousand bucks if they run seventh. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's in the race, so I'd. No, no interest, to be honest. If, if it goes across and lands outside of Flower of War, as I potentially have it doing, um, geez, yep. the Simon Miller camp would be happy with that because it's going to be the first yep. horse beaten. So, um, and that just, that's just one further racing line out of the – there surely be two racing lines that um, Angelic really can't get a tie up into it. So, yeah. Yeah. Roadblocks. Yeah, roadblocks. Exactly right. I think there'll be a few of them. So if there if this was an if there was an easterly in play, I'd be having a good whack at um Flower of War at the three to one. Yep. So fair enough. Um yeah, well well good one to watch though. I don't I don't want to get too heavily involved either way. I I never want to doubt Pike getting him home, but just from a, a map and roadblock point of view, um Flower of War can, can definitely nick it. Good stuff. Okay, so we're moving on to our first leg of the late quaddy, race six, the Gallipoli handicap, rating sixty six plus over fourteen hundred meters. Geez, I think there's going to be there's going to be quite a few varying opinions in this particular race. There's quite a quite a number of runners who, if uh, the planets align and they bring their best, are capable of winning. Um, it's, a, it's a really open open handicap. Not a bad betting race, actually, Terry. What did um, what are your thoughts? Well, after five pretty ordinary betting races, um, we get um, well. We actually finish with four really good betting races, to be honest. Mm. So um, I'm really looking forward to the quaddy. It's a it's a good day to place a quaddy. Actually, I think there's some value around. Uh, I think the first horse we have to discuss is obviously Cryptic Love. Um, yeah. She will be heavily. Uh, well, she may not be heavily supported. Oh. Explain that, but um, she'll be. There'll be a lot of people that want to be on. Um, there's no celebrity queen here. Effort behind Ocean's Fifteen should have won before that. Um, when third to festival miss. Um, but uh, the, the the thing that we need to remember is Cryptic Love is a, a pretty difficult horse to handle. We've seen Harvey probably Harvey and Joey as a party both had some issues earlier in her campaign. Um, she she doesn't begin all that well she can begin better uh, on her day she has settled closer to the speed um but she can make a little bit of a mess at the start if she ends up mm. four or five horses back the fence or even four or five pairs back one off um it's a really difficult ride for a young apprentice we saw chloe have a bit of a difficult day in the saddle yesterday um with a few back markers she I mean, in, in her defense she was on a bit of a hiding to nothing with a few of those um i saw a bit of criticism for her and i think it was a little bit unwarranted um watch me nay from the gate i think they wanted to be ridden a little bit more aggressively it was always i mean getting caught date was for any jockey i think was always quite likely um and then point taken it looks like similar tactics were adopted and from the wide gate trying to find a and spot and i think um and i think power of st george is uh like he's just a big raw yeah. horse. I don't necessarily think that was a terrific booking by the stable, to tell you the truth. Um, just seems like a senior rider horse for me. Mate. So I, I think sometimes the apprentices cop some criticism, but I reckon some some of it should be directed back at the the stables for booking them on unsuitable horses. Myself, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I actually criticised my. I actually tipped Paris and George um, in that first race yesterday, and I actually criticised myself for that ride. I actually was very aware of the importance of a strong uh, jockey on Paris and George because he, he has looked like he has needed some waking up um, in, in mm. his races before hitting the line. So um, he really smashed the line. He's going to be a horse to follow later. Bit of a bit of a spoiler. BJ, yeah. uh, but um, yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed in myself. Um, I, I realised my error probably even before they um, before they jumped, but unfortunately, I was already a bit too committed. But this 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 cryptic love ride does have question marks around. It does look to have the ability to turn pear shape, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Low draw three, get sort of get back run on type. Um, 
on the favourite, so you're not going to really get a lot of favours from your fellow riders. It's going to need a lot to go right um, for Chloe as a party on Cryptic Love on Saturday. 100%. Yeah, I'm very much looking at um, looking to take her on. I'm definitely mm. not saying she can't win. I, I still think Chloe is um, a tremendous jockey riding in very good form. And if the gaps open up, we've got to remember how good Cryptic Love is. She's a uh, very, yeah. very nice horse. But, um, yeah, all it takes is just one little roadblock in the straight or one little uh, one little check at the wrong time, um, and, uh, and she simply can't win it. So we'll be taking yeah. her on uh, as the favourite here without doubt. Uh, three runners I want to discuss um oh we'll start with number three i think one short's over the odds at about 20 to one um just just agree, consistent agree, yep. just consistent for the for the wolf yard i think they'll try and be a bit more aggressive up to the 1400 try and find a spot near the speed isn't a superstar but um uh shouldn't be 20 to one in a race like this marked at seven dollars fifty so i don't want to be losing on one short won't be having much on but don't want to be losing uh the second runner is one which i'll, I'll leave for you to discuss more so but it's uh, uh kakadu um, mm-hmm. Ryan Hilda, CJP as a jockey change. I love the 28 days between runs worries me a little bit, but Kakadu, the former and Ukgart Lockie and, and the way uh, the aesthetics of that run um, was huge. And if you, even if you go back to previous wins against Divine Shadow and uh, beat Führer, um, second up, I think, in the campaign as well. It's just come back a, a better horse. It's a horse that sort of promised to be as a two-year-old to some degree. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think uh, I think he's someone that likes the slop out of the ground. So at around eight to one, don't want to be losing on him either. Um, but my big winning result, BJ, a horse that it's been a while since we've teamed up together for a good win. I have had some good wins over the journey with him. Is um, is speeding Comet. Um, Jade on. Jade rides this horse very well. Um, uh, the key for speeding Comet, and it's quite odd, is that you don't want him underneath horses. He doesn't like being underneath yep. horses. He doesn't even – he has failed even in the past when um, getting a nice soft lead on the rail in front. So yep. I am hoping that Gloryland or Kick Gum from Barriers 2 and 6, um, speeding Comet's drawn 8. I'm hoping one of that pair can kick up and lead. And speeding Comet probably sits outside uh, of one of those two, I think. Even – it's not. It's a horse if it's that three deep. The true I wouldn't be disappointed. A three deep out. Outside yep. the speed, I'd, I'd, you'd cop that because, I mean, you go back to the win over Plutocracy earlier this campaign, you go back to the third last right, um, last time out of fortnight to go behind Celebrity Queen and um, Cryptic Love, uh, absolutely no right to kick on like she did. So, no, um, just, just kept just kept working the whole race and just loved it. Always does. So, um, one of the key things I've got written down here, I hope Jade listens to this, um, is I don't want to see Speeding Comet ridden with any cuteness or any or any guile, basically. I want to see Speeding Comet. I want to see her basically trying to hit the lead on the bend and asking the horse to keep going because um, Jade's really yeah, get good. Get your hands dirty, Jade. Exactly. Get yeah. your hands dirty. Exactly right. She's very yeah. good um, when horses, She's the horses really run for Jade. And um, I think if, if she can get a nice head start and make horses like Cryptic Love and, um, and, and Kakadu and... Uh, be chasing her. I think she'll have too much momentum. And I think this is a really tough, tough, tough horse to get past. And this, to me, is the perfect, um, perfect race for for speeding Comet. So, um, very simple on top selection. The query some people will have is the fourteen hundred meters. I just want to discuss that very briefly. Three goes over the fourteen hundred. First time was fourth in a group three, so we're going to give that a pass mark. Second time was five starts to go. Um, went second to coming around. So we're going to give that a big pass mark. And the previous effort uh, was three starts ago. Chris Graham rode him um, and he got out of his ground early against Red Cam Man. Back, that, yeah. 
Yeah. That was a day where on pace it was a rock hard track and uh, never in the race. Hit the line well. So I actually think he'll go better over the 1400 than the 1200. Goes forward, ridden aggressively. I want him in front on the bend or very close to being in front uh, as soon as they straighten. And uh, I think he'll be super hard to get past. Have marked him $3.70. So pretty happy with the eight or nine bucks, Ooh. BJ. Yeah, I've got him thin. Yep. Uh, him. Yeah, I've got him very thin. So um, confident, BJ. Yeah, I am. Um pretty much aligned with you terry i have targeted but mine probably leaning more towards kakadu but i'm targeting both kakadu and speeding comet and uh likely to be on both um both around the eight dollar mark at the moment i um kakadu beat uh, kakadu got beaten by Ukgard Loki and third in that particular race last start was she's a light so obviously all the form out of that is strong uh prior to that the fifth behind Beauty Canis finished alongside some some inform horses as well. Last start did all, did all the heavy lifting and Utgard Loki got the drag up on its heels and just got zapped late. Thought the run was really full of merit. Comes back from fifty nine and a half to fifty seven. Agree that the twenty eight days is a query, but it, he did win the month between runs earlier this campaign, so he might like it a bit on the fresh side. From five, I can see CJP just putting Kakadu in a really uh, commanding sort of mid forward midfield running position. I think this is a really good option for Kakadu, but agree with you also. I think Speeding Comet is the other horse to beat. He'll be, hopefully Jake will be really positive from the mid draw, sit outside the leader, ride him tough, ride him, ride him um, to his strengths and he's going to be really hard horse to get past that. That last up third with Bo Banovic Edwards on board was just such a big run. Mm. Never stopped working from gate 15 and clung on to third behind two pretty smart mares. Um, yeah, for me, it's going to be a double play, Kakadu and Speeding Comet. But also, I think you touched on something with one short there. He's He's over the odds with me as well. I had one short of $12 chance, and um, I think you said he's around the $21. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, double play, and um, going to be interested to see what sort of what they're going to do with uh, one short late on Betfair. If you want to go back a bit further with Speeding Comet as well, um, yeah, one short could be any price. I still think you take the 20s, though. Um, that just, yeah. I, I'm expecting a little bit of a drift on Cryptic Love from the threes to maybe $4.50. We won't be the only ones um, realising that's a difficult ride for Chloe. Uh, the one race that I want uh, to remember, BJ, is back on the 4th of January. Uh, speeding Comets at 3 and 4 day at the trip. Had a big price as well. Um, and uh, it got home for Jade McNaught. Beat horses like Plutocracy. Uh, who's obviously come out and pushed Red Can Man and uh, Lavrod. It was probably the run of that race, really, when Sat 3 deep the trip. And, and also, yeah, Darty, who came out and ran consecutive um, black type placing. So, um, Speeding Comet has the class. Um, it just um, it just needs the right run, and the right run doesn't have to look pretty. So, pretty keen and, and definitely don't want to be losing mainly on Kakadu either, BJ. Yeah, yeah. There's, and there's, there's, um, there's some other horses who will be found by the market but they're all going to be back and in difficult spots i imagine horses like yeah. sliced bread smarty and even the very much informed luke's gold but um but they're going to be behind our two and uh, they're going to need a lot, a lot like cryptic love they're going to need a lot to fall into place for them to 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 get the win but yeah pretty happy with our with our two there terry kakadu and speeding comet yep. for you speeding comet and kakadu so um hopefully one of those two can get the job done for the boys here at the one one
Yes, exactly right. And uh, another thing with those horses that will be getting back, and especially the ones getting back on the rail, is they're probably going to have a stopping glory land coming back into their path as well. So um, mm. that will be a major hindrance. Okay, race seven. Moving on to the lest we forget handicap, a full field to uh, face the starter in this 2,200-metre uh, graduation handicap. Looks... um. Yeah, this is going to be a wide betting uh, quaddy leg, I imagine, for some, but I'm pretty keen on one, and I reckon you're very keen on the same horse, Terry. Mm. Do you want to Do you want to take the lead? I will. I, well, I was looking forward. When we started recording, it was 11 bucks, PJ, and I was looking forward to making a, I told you I was going to make a big, bold, brash call. Um, similar one. It didn't win, but uh, a couple of months ago, I told you without reason would start favourite when it was 20 to 1, and it just missed favouritism. started $4.50, ran fifth, so I did my ass on it. But um, <laughs> I was going to tell you that I think rivalry galore will start favourite in this race, but it's already uh, it's already not far from it. It's 11s mm. to about $6.50. Um, as we chat away here, BJ, um, and I'm expecting just because I can't see what else can head this market, um, and it's the it's the horse with the the most upside and the, and the form jockey going on board. Um, I'm expecting rivalry galore to start favourite here, BJ. What do you think of that? Where did you have it in your market? Six dollars fifty. But I thought I was um, I thought I had been really clever when I was doing this race last night, mm. Terry and um, thought I was really clever and found a rivalry galore on top and uh, was really keen to play. Um, and then, uh, and then yeah, and the gurus found it. So, um, yeah. It's not fair. It's not as, fair sometimes, is it? I wasn't as clever as I thought, but yes, yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I've, I've always sort of been tracking this horse a bit, um, remembering he won a epic Belmont classic defending Mystery Miss last prep, even his form leading up to that. Um, listed three odd mm-hmm. victory was um, was really really good. He's only won the one race, and there's a few knockers around. And um, but in saying that, since then, because of his rating, he's he's actually competed against some pretty decent horses and ran a couple of good races. And he was even running well when the Pope stable weren't really going well. If that makes sense, that's um, exactly what I wanted to touch on. He was yeah. that was during the the virus period, wasn't it? Potentially, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I'm not. Um, and this, he just, he was three deep the entire and a 72 plus the other day and just kept coming with Bo Edwards on board. Three, four really, and five deep. Yeah, that was, yeah, he got, got shunted on straightening. I thought there was lots of merit in that run from three, Mitchell Pateman on board, down in class, fitter, yeah, ticks a lot of boxes for me. I'm pretty keen on rivalry galore in this, uh, in this race on Saturday, Terry. Yeah, me too. I, I don't think it's far from probably the best bet of the day, to be honest. Uh, at, at those early prices, it definitely was. Um, whether uh, we can still hold something up, I've marked. I've marked him four dollars fifty. I, I could have had him shorter as well, mm. to be honest. Um, it's just this is a race where where else do you come out? I mean, the early the early favourite was Paddy Shadow, sixty one and a half barrier nine. I mean, jeez. Yeah. I mean, what what else is in this? Picture perfect with the kid going on. Throw down to Nonny in town. It's just it's just not up to him from the wide gate getting well back like it does. Volkswagen Frank had its win and and the bar shoes now go on. Lucy's on it. Went for Clint, not Lucy. So, um, Baromagic, Baromagic. Oh our idol but I suppose that the the one that most people will say to answer your question would be the Philly Canvas coming out of a WA Derby 
run. Yeah, we saw that Secrets Pearl, who um, Secret Pearl didn't add up when racing against the older horses. I, I think I like the three-year-old sprinters coming into this, but I'm not massive um, on the three-year-old stayers unless they're at a level of Tuscan Queen type mm. thing. So from Barrier 16, Canvas was what's it five to one or something that's that's a fair way under the odds i'm not saying she can't yeah, win by any yeah. stretch but that's just a, that's a long way under the prices so look for me rivalry galore is just such a standout here i i don't think he's a certainty because these staying races are an absolute I, i'm not even going to try and map this this is going to be a mess they're, they're always a mess um, three wide lines four wide lines traffic yeah 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 exactly exactly right i mean this is this is very likely to be a, a hard luck story there's, there's a big chance <laughs> that's how this is all going to eventuate but um He'll start favourite. Uh, Mitch Pateman's on. Mitch Pateman's flying. His last effort was huge with Bo yeah, Banovich Edwards on. Um, I, I just thought that was massive, the way he kept coming to the line after being knocked off and knocked around and sitting deep. And it doesn't, to me, it's, it's we discussed earlier about horses that need a, a nice strong jockey on. I think rivalry galore might be one of those as well. Yeah, I think um, right, yeah. He doesn't go forward and roll. He needs a bit of a bit of a wake up. Just want to shake him and give him a little bit of a, come on, buddy. Mm. Time, to, time to get out of bed and get stuck in. But um, yeah, he's win over Mystery Miss is a uh, that was under a year ago, and before that he ran second to True Attraction, in, in which was arguably as good a run. So he's a real he's is, a real slacker, isn't he? Robbery galore, old fashioned that he's slacker. He just needs you're right. He needs a guy like is. Pateman, strong rider. Switch him on. Uh, let him know that this is race day and to put his put his best forward. But um, yeah, I think you summed that summed that up well. Terry. Um, he also goes well in the uh, inclement conditions, BJ, mm. um, and we are likely to see a little bit of rain on Saturday. So, look, with, with normal luck, um, I'm pretty confident this just wins. Good. I like it. I'm I'm um, growing more confident by the minute myself. Um, it, I will say, uh, yeah, I'm really keen, as I said earlier, really keen rivalry galore. I will say I'm going to be interested to see how the likes of Barramagic, our idol, go rising um, to the 2200 metres. Mm-hmm. They're coming off mile runs up from memory, uh, both of them. Might need yep. them. Uh, but I think they're both – they're going to win a race soon, 2,000 plus somewhere, I think, both those four-year-olds. Yep. Um, probably w- would have been a lot keener on Picture Perfect with Pike on board, but they've gone for the claim. Other than that, I think Canvas will run well. I just think she's a really good – Really good filly. Probably should have run second in the in the Derby. Um, running got stopped in her tracks just prior to straightening and um, proved very costly. But um, gee, she's going to have to be good to win from sixteen against the older horses in a full field. Um, yeah, yeah. As I said, Keener and Keener on rivalry galore as the podcast progresses. Terry. I can sell ice to an Eskimo, so that doesn't help you. But um, yeah, one thing I will say, if you are going to go wider in your quaddies, two horses I would include, a Palace Rogue, uh, who looks the only really? leader in this race, will go forward and can um, can box on. If this, was, if this wasn't if this was Brock Luthwaite and was Darren McAuliffe. Um, Banjo? Yeah, I, I don't want to be having much on. I'm just saying if you're going wider in your quaddies, if, you, if you're going thin, I might be going, I'll probably do two quaddies. Um, one where I'll probably go pretty thin. I'll probably even stand out rivalry galore. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I'll go a little bit wider. I'll, I'll definitely be throwing Palace Rogue and I'll be throwing Navy Blue in. Um, basically just ran backwards the last start. But Jade on for, for Carberry. Um, I don't think they'd keep it going if it wasn't right. Uh, this is just isn't a, a very deep race. So if you're looking for something mad, um, there's a couple at 50 to 1 that, um, especially in, in the inclement conditions when funny things can happen. Um, there's a couple I'd maybe look to slip into a wider quaddy, not a thinner one just a wider quaddy good okay you heard it here first from the guru and we are uh 
aligned heavily. Rivalry galore. So race eight is the Diggers Cup, 1,800-meter race. Mm. It's a funny old weighted race. It's a 78-plus handicap, but it's a quality handicap. So for me to explain this, it's I don't really know myself, but um, trap. The, the race is capped at 63 kilos, so so nothing, uh, no runner can get more than 63 kilos, which is why you see a horse like Trap for Fools, who's a 110 rater, only getting 63. So um, very odd, unusually weighted handicap, but um, a good race nonetheless. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a it's. It's a good clash between some old-timers, some pretty bloody good horses, really, and some up-and-comers and, and a couple of horses that are coming via some some lower-graded races. So um, it's a good blend, this. So it's going to be interesting to see how the up-and-comers go against the established brigade. And um, and, I, and we were chatting about this prior to going on air, Terry. It's, um, yeah, it's, everyone's going to have a, have a view. Um, and I think most people will probably have the opinion that all things being equal, um, you know, an uninterrupted run in transit and a fair track that Mystery Miss probably should win again after uh, after she won last start. But I don't necessarily know if it's going to be as simple as that from the high draw in the uh, from the 1,800-metre start at Ascot. No, it definitely won't be as simple as that. Um, she's well, sort of the way I'll be going. I'll, I'll touch on that. But... Um Mystery Miss, as good as she was last start and aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing as she was being held up and getting through like she did, she had to win that race. Every horse was off its legs. Like every horse was stopping. You, you had Grey Enigma out in front with uh, Corporate Larrick and I think Bella's Idol just behind them. There was there was nothing in the race. Like it, it's, uh, did you understand what I'm saying? There was just no horse that could finish um, the race off like she did. So this is a little bit different here where she runs into a little bit of class and a little bit less weight. So um, we're expecting Trap for Fools to probably lead. Uh, I can't imagine them trying to change the tactics now or um, maybe be easy on him first up. I'm pretty sure they'll go to the top. Uh, Harry Thomas yeah, he'll lead. will look to be to his outside, but I'm pretty sure Harry Thomas will end up handing up to Fair Sanari. Um, who will probably land outside of Trap for Fools, um, which will leave Harry Thomas probably in the 1-1. Red Army will be one spot further back um, on on the back of of Harry Thomas, which I think will be a nice spot to be, actually. Um, And Mystery Miss will probably be right out the back. Well, she will be right out the back from uh, effectively the widest gate because Jade's Jade on Fair Scenario, who's drawn outside uh, of her, uh, will be going forward. So Mystery Miss will be dead last. So... um, Different race, different set of circumstances here. A little bit of a risk, um, but I believe we're getting the price for that risk. Yeah. Um, we're talking mid threes, three dollars thirty. I think she's across the across the board. Um, I think that's enough, and I also think it's enough to to save. Or I'm still a little bit undecided. I, part of me wants to make my main bet Red Army. Um, I know that Pike would have obviously had the choice, and he's semi-committed to, to Bob and, and, and riding for Bob, and he would have obviously gone that way. But I, I think Red Army's a horse that they've got back in really, really good condition. And Red Army's going to have field position on Mystery Miss. And Red Army, in my map, has got the back of Harry Thomas, who will probably peel off the off of Fair Scenario's back at, say, the 600 or the 500 when, when Fair Scenario starts going backwards. And, and Harry Thomas will give Red Army the perfect card into this race. So um, 
that's the two ways I want to play. I think I've marked them two sixty and and about four to one. We can get three fifty and six dollars fifty. So I'm happy playing the pair. Happy taking on the horses coming up in grade. Interested to see how King Blitz and uh, and Ukgard Lucky, Ukgard Loki, sorry, mm. do go um, in this level. But both will be getting back, and both will have to out sprint Red Army and Mystery Miss. And again, I just don't think. Um, they're at that level. They're coming out of graduation 60 pluses. And even though, especially King Blitz has been carrying um, carrying half the grandstand, uh, I just don't think they can out-sprint the good horses. So um, I'm going to back in the two good sitting sprinters, um, both Grant and Alana Williams runners, and um, I'll work on how I'm going to stake him exactly shortly. But uh, that will be the uh, a very simple and easy play for me, BJ. Yeah, I've got Mystery Miss on top as well. I think, I think a horse like Utgard Loki will give... Mystery Miss a nice card up into the race. Um, Lucy has been allowing Lookard to roll three wide. Um, she's been riding him really confidently and aggress- and like um, with a level of toughness um, in lower grades. So I, I can't imagine they'll go – they'll stray too far from that. It'll be tempo dependent. If Trap for Fools have, has them stretching, um, uh, they might string out a bit, which, which could be – um, another challenge for horses like Mystery Miss and the, well, the Get Back Brigade, um, which could play into the hands of a horse like Harry Thomas or, as you said, um, Red Army, who might be a touch closer. But, um, but yeah, I think I'm pretty keen uh, on Mystery Miss to win again. She uh, she got that that race look set up for her nicely last start. She showed that nice turn of foot at the mile rising to 1800 meters um well into her prep now got a lot of ability mystery miss hasn't always um had a lot of luck from a soundless point of view since looking out of the box as a three-year-old but she's back on track now i think she'll win i actually expect Utgard loki and king blitz um the emerging sort of graduation types to to measure up even though um, they're taking on some pretty established uh, campaigners. I uh, I think they're both – well, obviously, they're both rock hard fit and in excellent form, last start winners. Um, they're they're prog- yeah, really progressive. I, I can see them um, challenging for top four, top three, top four finishes. So for me, at the moment, I'm, I'm, Mystery Miss is the right price uh, as well. Um and so I think best of the rest is, um, is Utgard Loki. So uh, Mystery Miss and I might, might be saving or, um, or, or um, having a play on Utgard Loki as well. Um, other than that, what, what are your hopes for Trap for Fools first up at the 1800 metres, Terry? Uh, what are my hopes or what am I? Well, well, what, I, are you, I what are you anticipating? And what, what you, if you were Lindsay Smith, would you, would you think he's a winning chance or no, is, is this, a, is no. this a, uh, a prep run? Lindsay would be thinking he's probably a winning chance, but this is uh, definitely just a prep run. It's important. It, it's, it surprised me he's only a six-year-old considering. I just thought he'd um, been around a bit longer and done a little bit more than he has. So, I mean, ideally we see him hit top form when he goes back over east. There's nothing over here for him. Mm. Um, maybe a... What are we talking? Maybe a, a Hyperion over eighteen hundred weight for age. I mean, it's only weight for age races that he can really contest. Um, they look at a Kingston Town Cox Stakes sort of campaign later in the year, but again, you, you think he needs further than that. So I think he's over here purely to try and find some form before they um, head over east again and, and attack some um, attack small group races. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. He's, he's added added something to the program, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's a good good race actually, the Diggers Cup. 
Mm. I'm I'm surprised it's only a 78 plus, but anyway, it's attracted some um, a good competitive, interesting lineup, and uh, yeah, all things being equal, Terry and I are leaning um, strongly towards Mystery Miss. Um, Mystery Miss definitely want to be on Red Army. May make Red Army the main bet. I'm just in the process of letting my brain compute it all. Still, BJ. Okay, Terry, it's time for the Market City Meets Get Out Stakes. S-T-E-A-K-S, the Get Out Stakes competition, very popular on uh, on the Twitter platform. So if you want to enter, very simple, please tweet us at the11pod who you think will win race nine at Ascot on Anzac Day this Saturday. And please provide us with a decimal winning margin. Nearest the question. Yes. Do we have to put in the horse this week or just the margin? <laughs> Can we just can we just put a margin in this week? Because <laughs> obviously there's no point in writing the obvious, is there? That's right. That's right. We, if if you do not want to tip, dig deep in the get out stakes. What? Um, which I find oh, listen listen to another listen to another podcast. Which I if that's find the case. highly offensive. Um, but yeah, so the winner of whoever's nearest the pin with your winner and decimal uh, margin will receive a gourmet beef package from our friends at Market City Meats, the largest retail butcher shop in Perth. Take it away, Terry, in the last post handicap, 1,100 metres ratings, 72 plus. Well, BJ, this is a pretty weak race, isn't it? For a 72 plus, this is uh, after your top two and maybe one or two others. Um, it all sort of goes downhill pretty quickly, uh, in my opinion. Um Dig Deep is obviously the horse where we've carried on a bit. We're obviously pretty mm. keen on Dig Deep here. From a, from a speed map point of view, Masquerade's come out. So um, Dig Deep comes in to barrier five. And if you just look at how the three-year-old form is stacked up from horses that have come from similar races to Dig Deep, like Red Can Man, uh, Celebrity Queen, um, they've all Superstorm. come out. Superstorm. Yeah, Superstorm, exactly right. They've all come out um, and really dominated these older horses and probably better older horses um, than, than these ones here. So look, the, the trial was brilliant uh, all, all the all the uh, all the mail from the Pierces and, and from Jared Noski who wrote him in his trial that he feels as good if not better than ever um, and yeah I, I'm personally extremely confident of a forward showing here uh, the danger and the worry um, is obviously a pretty talented horse in Laverod um, the barrier is is a blessing for dig deep followers it's going to be difficult for Paddy Carberry on a horse who's not slow but he's not a super quick horse out of the gates either so doesn't ping does he yeah he doesn't ping no so Paddy's gonna have to work him across from um, barrier 10 he comes into after the scratching and you'd think he doesn't just go back and try to out sprint dig deep because I think there'd only be one winner in that sense but I think he goes forward and tries to find a spot um Patrick often rides these pretty good horses. Uh, it can be a bit of a knock on him at times, but he, he rides these pretty good horses pretty well. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does come across and find a spot in running. But um, we're likely to see Tranquilla Sunrise and my Demi, to uh, two visitors, uh, having a, a bit of a battle out in front. So I think uh, I think Laverod will be looking to come across and find a spot just behind them. But you got horses like Potent Secret, like like Santiago Girl, potentially Son of Bacchus, if they don't ride him, um, if they don't ride him cold, they're all going to want a similar spot. So I don't know. I'm thinking and I'm hoping that Laverod might find it difficult to get that uh, that little dream run just behind him. Um, but I was interested to see how you mapped Laverod, BJ. Well, something you just said, I didn't even consider them going forward on my demi. 
again after um, with the blinkers off uh, and um, after it led and failed at Catgull no, last blinkers start. were blinkers were off the previous two, so that was why they, they've attributed, well, in my mind, they've uh, attributed that failure down to the blinkers being on. Right. So without doubt, we'll go forward. I'm confident. Okay, because I always thought my Demi was better. For Harrow. Sort of yeah, for Harrow was. Yep. Um, but yeah, look, if, if that if that uh, unfolds, then um, that might even suit Labor Rod better. If, if Labor Rod could get some cover, geez, he's going to be hard to beat. Look, I'm, I'm really super, super keen to dig deep. That trial was... Um, Outstanding. He's just such a such a class horse. Even his form his form last prep reads seven three three six zero, but it was it was so much better than that. And um, um, and yeah, and some of those runs in defeat in the lead ups to the Debra Guineas were as good as the winners in the, on those particular occasions. So um, yeah, very keen dig deep. But in regards to your question, map wise, I had Tranquilla Sunrise leading Laverod outside leader. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant that I felt that that left Laverod extremely vulnerable to a big finishing dig deep. If, as you uh, as you suggested, my Demi comes across and gives can maybe give Laverod a bit of a bit of a smother. That I don't see where the smother might- I don't see where the smother comes from because Santiago girl will have is quick out of the gates and probably quicker than Laverod and will hold that spot. I don't see how Sean O'Donnell lets. Carberry in. That's the key for me here. I can't see where that spot opens up. But um, it's interesting what you've said about my Demi, though. They, they may look to go back. I, I hadn't actually considered the other option that they might yeah, uh, they yeah. might not go forwards. Um, but, yeah, I just think if, if, if Labor Road comes across hard with Tranquilla Sunrise, he's either going to be in the breeze or something's going to need to work around him to give him some cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a in- interesting – like Labor Rod's uh, – he won – in dominant fashion first up, then he's run into Cliffs of Comfort and Red Can Man at his next two. So he hasn't really done a lot wrong um, at all. He just he just happens to run into the people's horse, Dig Deep. Yeah, you never <laughs> want to run into the people's horse in a dark alley, do you? There's only going to be one winner out of that. But uh, yeah, look- So, so we're, talking, we're talking in two horse race terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of obvious for everyone listening and, and um, that we're both going to be going pretty hard on Dig Deep. But- um, the third wheel uh, um, looks like it could be mankind. Is he the blowout? Is he the is he the one who's who looks set up to spoil the the party of the uh, of the youngsters of the young three year old up and comers? Yeah, well, is a little the, bit. Is he the one? I just want to give a little bit of respect to Tranquilla Sunrise. I don't think a ten year old's coming to town and winning, but um, if the rain does come and it comes heavier um, than probably forecast. He's probably the horse that um, elevates the most in wet weather, Tranquilla Sunrise. Okay. I know most of those runs yep. have been down south, but uh, he literally finds three lengths. And he was only beaten probably three, or was only beaten three and a half Red Cane Man last start. So don't think um, don't think he wins. Don't think a 10-year-old's come to the town for Roy Rogers and winning. But I um, just want to just give him that little bit of respect, especially if the weather comes, because he uh, he can give some, some cheek out in front. But uh, yes, Mankind is the fly in the ointment. Um, goes well fresh, mm-hmm. uh, elevated, and, and went to another level as a horse last campaign. Likes. Um, the wet weather conditions as well really likes the wet weather conditions and um, W Pike goes on board so um, yeah he, he can definitely win um, 
Obviously, with Dig Deep, one of my worries is that um, mankind will land on the outside of Dig Deep in a in a in a trail. And, and William Pike's probably the only person you don't want on your outside because he very simply doesn't let you out. Uh, he is a yep. genius for not letting you out. So um, whether we land in front of mankind or whether we take mankind's back, that would probably be a more suitable option in that sense. Um, but yeah, ma- mankind is definitely uh, a player in this race, BJ. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's the he's the knockout. Um, with every, everyone focused on the clash between Dig Deep and Laver Rod, he could be the um, the the one who's who's sweating on on both of them, um, and he's 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 a better horse than I thought he was actually. Mankind, so he um, he was a Fitzpatrick Plate winner last prep and had form round didn't had form round some really good horses and uh, really smart horses, and he looks like he can take another leap forward this prep. But yeah, um, Dig Deep. First up, should get with that um, masquerade scratching, should really get a, a lovely midfield run in transit with um, with galloping room balanced up. I can just see Jared Noski just uh, storming to victory over the top of Laver Rod. Um, that's the way that I see it panning out, Terry, quite confidently actually. There, there might be there might be a uh, I like to hear that. There might be a few uh, excitable lads in the uh, the Kingsley and Woodvale type region. I'd suggest if uh, if we see a big dig deep coming down the outside, but uh, always need yeah. some luck uh, for a horse that doesn't begin all that well and is going to probably settle midfield at best. So always need that little bit of luck and the, and the um, the holes. Do you think, do you think midfield at best or midfield mid back? In your heart of hearts, where have you, where have you got him? Uh, I don't think. I mean, we we did draw a barrier last campaign, so we continually um, we were continually snagged out the back. I don't think he he's definitely not the world's uh, strongest beginner, but he doesn't also have to be um, the world's yeah. worst beginner. Yeah. He can muster into a race quite well, and I think Jared will let him muster into the race from the barrier. Um, they'll be aware it's over the eleven hundred, and not twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred, and you can't be out of your ground. Especially we can't be giving a horse like Laverod five lengths if if uh, Laverod's either breezing or um, yep. does get cover. On on speed um so I'm, I'm hoping we can use the gate um and, and settle midfield at worst even but um it, it wouldn't surprise me if we were a little bit further back okay. than that so um gonna need the luck in the run but i i believe we've got the best horse i agree race. and um uh one horse i just like to mention throw him throw this horse in your uh, first fours lido beach uh, i thought it would um get under the guard of the market makers it looks like they've found it it's a ten or nine dollar fifty chance. I thought it might be more than that, but uh, Lido Beach has a bit of ability. Wouldn't be surprised to see it run a um, run into maybe third or fourth fresh um, with Jade McNaught on board. Yeah, no one for me. Seventy two plus is a pretty big old jump up from a class three and the class five it's been running in. But the one thing I will say, it was very poorly placed last prep. Um, Cop some horrible rides, and um, I can't see why they made the trip to Albany with it either. So uh, a more suitable campaign, and it's definitely a horse for the right yard to um, to progress and uh, and improve. But all eyes on one horse only here, BJ. Let's get dig deep up for the people, hey? Yes, yes. He uh, we. Um he is the logo for the one one uh, two for everyone. So that was uh, the mm. one one. The one one logo is so Jared. Deep and Jared Noski returning to scale after the Caracatta Plate. So he, we have a strong relationship with this horse here at the podcast, and um, we'll be cheering him on. Obviously, really hard. So good luck to everyone and um, involved in uh, that particular horse. And that brings our preview to an end. Terry, um, moving on now our best betting proposition of the day. 
Mm, well, this is a difficult one, isn't it? What is our best betting proposition for the day? I, I obviously, I feel compelled to some degree to say dig deep, but I just want to get a little bit of weight off the poor bugger's shoulders. Um, I often like to base, as you know, I like to base my best betting proposition on the best value um, mm-hmm. that I see for the day. What well, price? So we didn't discuss dig deep markings, by the way. I, I marked dig deep around that, the $2.50 quote. Um, and what were you, Badge? I had him to... 290 mm-hmm. um could have had him lowest i probably could have had him was about 260 i think but yeah i okay. ended up 290 yep it'll be interesting to see what that market does late because laverod does can uh, does seem to get a fair uh, a fair bit of support so it'll be interesting to see how the um the market uh, shifts late but i i do suspect that most people wouldn't have missed the trial so there probably will be a little bit of dig deep support around yep. uh but my best of the day, what's your best of the day let's let's start with you bj what's your what's well, your best of the day well my best of the day best betting proposition of the day was is dig deep yeah oh, i like it I like it. Um, I will. Uh, I'm. I'm going to just go a little bit away from that, and I'll, I'm going to go with rivalry galore, especially at the seven bucks available. Um, I think it starts favourite, and I think rivalry galore at the seven bucks is your best uh, betting proposition of the day. But dig deep is uh, an awfully close second. Good. Time for our Maddies. Uh, this is Perth Racing Guru Heartland. What have you got in the uh, for everyone who's just joining us here at the one one? Maddie's um, we like to find horses that are twenty dollars plus at times of recording. Um, what have you come up with, Terry? Uh, nothing, nothing too mad here. I mentioned a couple in the staying race. Um, obviously, Navy Blue and Palace Rogue, but I don't want to pick them. Seeing as I went with Rivalry Galore as my best of the day, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have something on. Um, looks like Magic, as I said earlier in, in race two. Um, it was forty one when we started recording. It's now at about the twenty dollar quote. It's not from a stable where there'll be any strong support. I wouldn't have imagined. So I think you'll be able to see a pretty big quote throughout. But um, I've just seen enough. Um, throughout its career that um, it can run a race from the inside gate with with Chloe going on. So looks like magic, but not with any sort of serious confidence, BJ. Okay. I um, just a tough day to find a Maddie at the moment. The the, um, the uh, market makers are keeping a lot of horses under the $20 mark, so it's very difficult to find one that slides into the category. I've ended up looking searching for one within the staying race, and uh, I'm going to go – a little bit different and put in two maddies in the one race for mm. uh, just for a bit of fun. I think the prices for Blue Tracer and Beanie are both, uh, I think you can get $31 or $26, $31 at the moment. I think that they are both maddies for me on Saturday. Blue Tracer's been building well all campaign. I've, I've, I've lost a lot of money on Blue Tracer over <laughs> the journey. It's a real tease horse, BJ, but uh, yeah. I, I, the uh, Pinjar Cup. Blue yes, Tracer, exactly yeah. right. Cra- crazier things have happened than Blue Tracer winning that race, that's for sure. Okay. Yeah, so you were close last week as well. We should mention that with British Bessie running second and you tipped it at 20 to 1. And with the way the track was playing, um, Bessie got out to about 40 or to 1 late on Betfair and ran second to a very good one in Utgard Lockie. So uh, you nearly got the job done last week. Yes, yes, Bessie. She's uh, she's been a, gee, she's been a good horse to me um, in recent times. So uh, God bless Bessie, um, yeah, she, she's probably a horse to follow as her campaign progresses as well. That was a really good run, fresh over the mile. Um, but uh, but just a reminder that um, if any um, some of our regulars, Pete McCormick, Daniel Cripps, and of course Terry Layton often throw out 
Betfair Lays um, on Twitter. So follow those guys on the Twitter platform and they might be able to throw out some juicy over, overs on, uh, on some runners at Ascot. Uh, Anzac Day meeting on Saturday. Moving on to our horses to follow segment. Have you got any gold nuggets there for the listeners, Terry? Uh, just a couple, BJ. Well, a few actually. What do we got? I got four. Uh, yesterday, we mentioned Paris and George earlier. Really, um, really taken by that effort. Wasn't suited by the slowing speed and then the um, the sprint that went on. Absolutely murdered the line. Um, find a truly run contest with a, a nice strong jockey on. I, I think it'll be competitive. He'll be competitive wherever he goes next start. Um, Point Taken is another one Uh, went and sat deep the trip especially when the rail was playing hot later in the day Um, really impressed uh, at how it kept coming to the line first go 1400 Um, so I'm expecting Point Taken with a a more favourable draw and a a softer running transit um, to see out the 1400 strongly and and be very competitive especially looking back at the uh, the previous victory coming from last that was um, from a horse that's usually it's done most of uh, it's better work on speed I thought that was uh Highly impressive. Um, a horse I most want to follow, and I'd be suggesting most uh, most passionately, uh, is a horse called Michelle Mabel. Uh, threw it out last week at about twenty to one to save on in the um, the race that round the point one, and uh, Michelle didn't step, and Michelle ended up mm. starting close to favourite as well. BJ, about twenty to about six to the one. Weight of, weight of guru money, yeah. Well, yeah, and she didn't actually step, but she still ran the second quickest last two hundred metres for the race, and for a, a tearaway leader, a horse is known as a tearaway leader to run a final split like that. That's something I always um, I look for. So look for Michelle Mabel in a, uh, it doesn't have to be a country race, but just look for a race where um, where leaders are suited, which is more often than not in Perth, and look for a race that she will find the front. Um, I just think she tears and runs and wins. And um, yeah, she's definitely the main horse to follow. And finally, uh, let's go to Geraldton, and we're going to wait for um, a horse by the name of Sluice Box to step up in grade so it can um, have a senior jockey on. It's been uh, very uh, stiff at its last few for Katie Southam, who's also had wide dates to contend with, but that horse is absolutely flying up in Geraldton and um, for, um, up Ash in grade. For Ash Mailey, yes, exactly right. So uh, Sluice Box will be winning one soon if able to draw a gate and get a senior on in probably a slightly harder race. That's me. Good stuff. So I've got two maidens and I don't think these horses will be uh, maidens for very long at all. Uh, both those horses caught the eye at Pinjarra last Thursday. Both were ridden by William Pike, actually. Angelic Miss and Frequent Flyer. Uh, sorry, Frequent Friar. Um, yeah, they look like they'll be uh, in the winner's circle before too long. And the last of my three horses to follow is, I really thought Nice Go went good at Ascot last Saturday. Justin Warwick Stable, really, really um, humming at the moment. Nice Go, that was its second run back from a freshen. Place to advantage next start will be very, very hard to beat. Nice go from with Lucy and uh, Justin Warwick. Yeah, there was a few black bookers from that one, wasn't there? A bit of a few yeah, hard absolutely. luck stories in that, but that was probably the, yeah. the pick of the black bookers, definitely. So, um, yeah, nice horse, nice little staying uh, mare for Justin Warwick. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, place to advantage, nice go um, next start. So, moving on to our top-notch trialers segment. Terry, anything nope. for the listeners? <laughs> Negative. No, BJ. Not this week, BJ. All right. So just having a quick squeeze at some of the uh, Bunbury action, uh, trialling action at um, on Monday. Heat for 
two horses to follow. Shozali's an obvious. It, it won the heat. It's got some ability from the Adam Durant yard. Um, it's already shown plenty on the track. But the second horse, I thought, went really good. It hasn't raced for quite a while. Its name is Chief Archer. Um, now, it ran second in heat four behind Cho- Shozali. I think you can follow both those horses quite confidently when they step out first up in the coming weeks. Chief Archer from um, the Burnyard down in Capel. Uh, really liked that trial from him. And then there was a the winner of heat seven at Bunbury on Monday was a horse by the name of Balladeer. SJ Miller has got this maiden from New South Wales, showed a, ran a couple of nice races um, under its previous uh, trainer. Uh, maiden horse, Brad Parnham rode it in its trial, stretched out really well. I imagine that Balladeer will be breaking through sooner rather than later also. Very good. Moving on to our Whatever Happened To segments. Um, we've had a couple of um, requests from listeners to to chase up, which we, we will endeavour to do. The Big Horse. Your man, Josh Fuchs from Kalgoorlie, messaged us. Yep. He uh, he wants to know where whatever happened to Nikitas from Team Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't raced since probably last September, so we'll chase up where Nikitas is at. Also, we often get hit up for information on Black Fury from the Trevor Andrews yard, and that's another Sold. that we need to need to – Sold? I think so. That's my memory. My memory does fail me very often, but uh, I think Black Fury was sold to uh, overseas interest. We better confirm that, though. I'm not 100%. Just for some reason, that's in my mind that uh, he's one of many, a throng of many WA horses to be sold to uh, Asia. Actually, touching on that, mm-hmm. if Dig Deep wins impressively, nah, oh, sorry, when not for, not Dig Deep wins impressively on Saturday, and Hong Kong comes a knocking, uh, what are your thoughts on selling the people's horse? Uh, nine, I need nine digits in the number to consider it. <laughs> nine, nine digits. But the way that they're snapping up some of those other horses, I wouldn't be surprised if they come a knocking, Terry. So uh, look and, out, and the phone tw- could start ringing. He's, tw- he's twice the horse of those as well. So yeah, uh, even even without his manlyhood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my whatever happened to this week is. Uh, Material man. Now, um, I know that he went over east and had a campaign with Pat Carey. He is now back with in WA with Jason Miller. Racing Australia tells me that he is in work. Wouldn't mind getting in touch with Jason just to find out uh, how he's going and uh, when he's likely to return. I imagine those wait for age Belmont races are probably on the on the radar for Material Man, um, Strickland Stakes, Hyperion, Belmont Sprint, those types of things. So, hopefully, talk to. Jason Miller and find out how he is tracking. The other horse was Elegant Blast, who was trained by um, Justin Warwick. Um, just was doing some from um, some old form last night and um, stumbled across Elegant Blast and just asked myself where she'd got to. Turns out that she has been retired and she was served by Impending in September last year. So Elegant Blast has gone off to the breeding barn as well. Um, now uh, she was a she she was a pretty decent mare, um, carrying the scenic lodge um, colours there. Yep, placed in and a. Um, oh no, I'm thinking of the other one placed in the Perth Cup behind Real Love. Sorry, uh, a bit before that's uh, rode by Jerry Noski. Red Blast was it Red Blast? Red Blast, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, so um, Ellinger Blast is has made her way to the breeding barn, and we're just about getting there, Terry. But just to wrap things up on last week's. 
1-1 Twitter poll results. We asked everyone to put themselves in Bob Peters' shoes for a moment and uh, decide what they would do with Tuscan Queen next season. Overwhelming, 46% of the voters suggested that Bob should be targeting if should be targeting the Caulfield Cup with Tuscan Queen. How did you vote, Terry? Oh, I voted for what I wanted to see, and uh, what I wanted to see was a. I just want to see a Perth horse go to the Melbourne Cup. So I voted for what I wanted to see, but if uh, I was making the actual decision, I'd probably would suggest the Caulfield Cup would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. Caulfield Cup makes the most sense. I'd love to see um, some another WA horse in the uh, in the Melbourne Cup on the first Tuesday in November. That would be very cool. So nice to have options, which uh, this reason what. Uh, have more than their fair share. This week's Twitter poll, following on from the opening, um, the opening part of our podcast, who is WA's champion two-year-old? So a bit of controversy last year with Tin Snip winning the award uh, over Dig Deep. Now we're going to ask Twitter, who you think the champion two-year-old for West Australia is for this season? Is it Gemma's son, Watch Me Dance, I'm a Single Man, and we're just going to throw in Starfield Impact, honouring our man, Magic Mike, but um, but she did win three three features um, this season, so she's a genuine contender, but um, we're going to whack that on, on Twitter tomorrow night and see what the Twitterati has to say, Terry. Exactly right. Well, if she drew a barrier in the Karakata, she could have well won it. So, um, mm. yeah, she definitely definitely deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as uh, as those other two-year-olds. Okay. Over to you, mate. So, that's it. Uh, another episode of The 1-1 comes to an end and probably a very exciting episode going forward because I'm sure that uh, every listener is going to be on Dig Deep. So, um, we might be having a week or a month off if Dig Deep happens to get rolled on Saturday because I don't really want to... Uh, show my face or hear my voice uh, around this neck of the woods but uh, good luck to everyone uh, over the Anzac Day weekend we've got uh, obviously the four meets in the three days so plenty of uh, WA punting to, to sink our teeth into but um, let's get the big fella home let's get the people's horse home in the last on Saturday eh, Beach? that would be uh, that'd be something and uh, I look forward to come back and uh, having a big crow next Thursday and until then on the 1-1